This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle. Please get in touch with us on our Facebook page, follow us, like us, whatever it takes. We would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as I know this industry is capable of. Welcome to the uh, Doc and Guru podcast to all our listeners out there. It's great to get together again. We've got an interesting guest this morning who's got some absolutely amazing insights up his little sleeve. Uh, Kelvin Watt, director of Nielsen Sport uh, SA, and he's going to be chatting to us about the Nielsen 22 report, Global Sports uh, Marketing, um, entitled Fans Are Changing the Game. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Kelvin, welcome uh, to the studio this morning. I'm, I, this is an absolute Aladdin's cave of, of insights for, for sponsorship. Thanks, Gordon. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's something that we've been doing for probably over 10, 12 years now in the Nielsen Sports Group and, and, you know, just looking at the, you know, what's gone on in the year before, taking data from around the world and trying to just give people a sense of the five, maybe 10 big things that we're seeing around the world and where we see it going into, into 2022. And what I like about it is it's not just information and things that are going on. I mean, there's some really half a dozen key steps which we'll get to towards the end. You know, do this kind of steps, which is often missing in a report. Absolutely. I think when you're in the data business, you know, interpretation of it and the analytics and then giving people some really, you know, as you say, um, you know, some steps to follow and some things to do and to concentrate yeah, on is, yeah. is always helpful and is an important part of, of what we do as a business. And speaking of things that have been missing, we've got a special surprise for all the docklings out there. Um, Calvin, you're probably not familiar with it. This is the new collective noun we've coined for... Doc's groupies, the Docklings. So all the Docklings, good news. We've got Doc not live in the studio, but we've got live back in South Africa. And by courtesy of Steam Radio, here he is. Doc, welcome back. Good. How's it? It's great to be back. Uh, Kelvin, how's it going? All good, all good, Doug. Welcome home. Yeah, I like you, man. Thanks. And thanks again for taking time, you know, to be with us. I mean, you were one of our very early guests right in the beginning, and it's nice to go full circle and, and chat. Yeah, so thanks, Gordon, for teeing it up, and uh, I look forward to chatting. You know, I missed you guys, and so I'm back in the saddle. 
And how many of the Arsenal games that I tipped you off? I mean, there were two games in London while you were there. I, <laughs> you, guys, I you guys, you did really well. But I, I tell you, Gordon, you know, as a, as a South African, you know, you know, you go to spring in London. So you think to yourself, ah, you know, how bad can it be? You know, I, I guess for people who live there, it's fantastic weather. For me, I mean, I couldn't go out. The game's at night. I mean, I go outside. It's pouring with rain. It's ice cold. So, no, sadly, uh, as much as you love Arsenal, I watched some of it on the TV. So, and and for the same for the Six Nations, uh, I watched a bit of that on TV as well. No commitment. No commitment whatsoever. It's appalling. <laughs> but uh, let's get back to the business at hand. But welcome back. I mean, uh, it's it's good to have you back. I'm really pleased and we look forward to you connecting with you live next week in studio. Um, Kevin, let's get back. I mean, you've given a little bit of background to the report. So, um, mm. and towards the end of the show, we'll just remind people where to get it. But if you basically, if you go to the, to the Nielsen.com website, it's very easy to find and Absolutely. easily downloadable. So I would really urge everybody before we even get into it, have a look at this uh, report after the podcast, because there, there's so much information. We can only really touch the, you know, kind of skim the surface on this thing. But, as stadiums around the world are starting to fill up and we're all getting incredibly excited. I mean, like I feel when I'm watching football now uh, in an, of an evening, you know, it's, it's the real deal, the singing, all the magic's there. But it seems from this report that fans have, uh, fans have found a new way to, to build a community. They're chatting, they're sharing, they're co-watching, they're betting. Mm -hmm. Give us a bit of a background to the, the macro shift in the, in the, in the behaviour of the fans. Gordon, I think, you know, you, we were talking at the beginning about this trends report and there was some really interesting stuff that, that over the last, you know, if I look back over the last five, six, seven years that we've been doing this report and some of the things that we've been talking about coming into the future, um, what the pandemic did around the world is really speed those things up. Um, you know, as much as we saw them coming in the next year or two years, they really sped up dramatically. And, and a lot of it's because the world is, is, was massively disrupted and, and will remain disrupted. It's not going to go back to what it was in 2019 and 20, and certainly in the world of sports. So a lot of the changes that we saw coming in um, have, have remained. Um, and, you know, obviously one of those is just this, this entire, I guess, societal shift um, to, to an increasingly digitized world. Um, and, and that's where, you know, where fans are getting together and watching and sharing and chatting to each other, um, you know, gaming, betting online, gaming online, all those sort of things have, have really become part of the way people interact with each other, the way people interact with the teams, the events that they support. Um, and one of the other things that we spoke about for many years was just this growth of the athlete, that the athlete was becoming more important almost than the teams that they that they that they played for and, and certainly what we've seen in COVID is you know just a huge growth um in in terms of the some of those those athletes in the world and the sports that have that have best embraced that have the ones that have really come out of the pandemic in a much more powerful position you might have seen liberty globals financial results for f1 last week for example coming out from last year you know mm -hmm. f1 is one sport that since liberty global took over which feels like what about two three years ago they really embraced you know where the world was going and and motorsport has just become huge around the world in, in markets that previously weren't even talking about it we've we've just had some work with with supersport where they've shown the massive growth in, in f1 in nigeria for example now that it's becoming a critical piece of content for them in that market for example so um and a lot of that's got to do simply with the, with this sort of digitization of the world the, the distribution of content and them embracing the drivers as these hugely important characters in a in a in a narrative that's not just about Sunday's races, but but what they're doing seven days a week. Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that forty one percent of sports fans are, are watching 
uh, live you know streaming events um, you know on, on digital platforms didn't mm. surprise me. I, I kind of get that part of it, but it's it's the general growth of over the top services over and above the viewing of the game. I think that's that's the breakthrough here. That uh, the media rights value of over the top services surrounding events uh, and sport. Uh, the values increased something like four to five times. It's exponential over the past five years. It's truly extraordinary. I mean, it might be off a smallish base relative to the main event, but that that blew my mind. It's like a four to five times bigger proposition than it was five years ago. Absolutely, and you know, I think what it is about is that you know we've been saying, and I, th- I think it was trends we did probably in 2017 or 2018. We described it that people are becoming increasingly interested in in smaller pieces of information or more interested and more focused in the interest whereas before if you go back and you know we would talk about you know one of the things that you know in south africa we always coined about super saturday why was it super saturday well you could watch five games of rugby and three football mm, matches mm. and you you know you, you could occupy your time what we've seen now and you know for people like yourselves arsenal tragics and others is you can spend seven days a week consuming Arsenal content. You don't have to wait for that live match on oh, a Saturday. No. You can literally become so, um, you know, sort of embroiled in the whole Arsenal story, and you can almost forget that the rest of the league exists, which is probably not a bad thing being an Arsenal fan. But it, you know, it's and, and you that's see really this, like, where you the world see is where it's going. It's, getting, it's ugly, isn't it? We've only been five minutes into the show, and it's getting ugly. Listen, but, don't, no, don't, don't run into the bar fight, Gordon. Leave it now. You know what I mean? Let me, let me rather just as a neutral, yeah? Let me just get involved, don't get involved. Go on, that's not nice of you. I mean, you know, you're a guest on our show, so, you know, uh, well, let's just show respect to you, yeah? I, I might just point out that today I am riding the, the crest of my, well, of my weekend's successes, um, and I'm actually wearing my Kaiser Chief shirt, so... To all our pirates listeners out there, thanks for coming, guys. I know it must be difficult for you watching from under your beds or listening from under your beds at home, but thanks for joining well, us. Well, that's a team we share. So uh, Chiefs, is, Chiefs has probably given me the sort of pain that Arsenal's given you. I'm just oh, lucky boy. on the other side. I'm a Liverpool fan, so it hasn't all been <laughs> all been poor for me, but it was great to see Chiefs uh, winning on the weekend. Yeah, and, and, and I think just some exciting goals and uh, just a complete sort of uh, diversion from the main topic. Uh, I can't help wondering what the result of the Chiefs Pirate game might have been if there'd been a VAR intervention. I mean, it would, let's go down the VAR, uh, VAR well, tunnel for a moment. I mean, there were some interesting decisions well, there on Saturday. You know, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to comment on the decisions, but, um, you know, I think the, the beauty of VAR and what it's done in this whole world and this digitization is that, you, you know, you can't hide anymore. And every single VAR decision is turned into a little you know, a meme or a video and everyone analyzes and everyone's got an opinion. And, and, you know, when you start talking about people sharing and discussing, whether it's in a WhatsApp group, um, you know, whether it's, you know, on, on the social media channels, VAR has just given people so much more to talk about and, and certainly in a digital world. And, you know, it almost feels like for every seven days following any football match, everyone's discussing the VAR decisions, rightly or wrongly. And, you know, and in and, and football, it's you would think it's pretty straight line. You're either offside or you're onside. You've either touched mm. it with your hand or you haven't, you know. When we get into rugby, I mean, you know, the refs don't even know the rules, and now you've got the fans trying to have their say. You know, it's just, and, and you, know, you know, exactly what you were talking about, these digital environments are just giving people conversation points and these ability of the sports to turn tiny, you know, couple of seconds of footage into a massive talking point, and it's not even about the goals or the tries yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's about all these small no, aspects. Absolutely. Look, I'm a traditionalist, and I, I personally feel that there should be no correlation between the actual decisions on the field 
um, and the performance of the ref and my right to hurl abuse at him. I think that's just a given at any point in time. Um, but Doc, you know, one of the interesting things, and I want to bring you back in because you, you mean, you've walked this road as a sponsor, so your insights are really valuable. Um, one of the key observations from the report is that one screen isn't enough. I mean, it's all happening simultaneously. And some of the things viewers are doing are, are intuitive. I can actually see it happening. So you're on your WhatsApp group. You know, I'm, I'm a Shark supporter, so all my old rugby mates, are 60 of us there. So that group is alive. The guys are, are ordering in food. And I mean, it's, it's just, it's almost like being live at the stadium. And to the extent that I'm saying now, hmm, game's coming up. Tickets on sale uh, Wednesday, so that'll be kind of yesterday when this goes out. Uh, for the for for the uh, the box test, there's Ellis Park. There's a really good one up in in Bombella. There's Durban test against Argentina. Like I'm saying, I, do I actually need to go live anymore? Uh, or to just play on my group with all my mates because we're hanging out anyway? Doc, how does that impact your uh, kind of engagement as a sponsor? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Gordon, just, just backtracking uh, for a second. I mean, Calvin, a lot of the stuff that we're speaking about now, as you say, we chatted last mm. time you were on the show, but it's just accelerated now. You know, so so gaming, the whole e-betting, women's sport. And I want to chat just a little bit about a few of those things, Gordon. Then I'm going to come to the two-screen phenomenon that, we, that Calvin, we spoke about a while ago. You know what I mean? All that's happened now, Gordon, as you're saying, and I... I thought when I first heard this, it, I would never be that person. You know what I mean? I'd be so engrossed in the game that I wouldn't be fiddling with my phone. I, it's not the case anymore. You know, I'm certainly now a T-screener, you know, and, and I, I mean, you look at the youngsters coming through, how they grow up with this technology. For me, it, it hasn't been, you know, absolutely, uh, uh, you know, it's been a bit foreign. So, so Calvin, you're speaking about athletes as well. I mean, I see uh, the Megan Rapino case. We spoke a while ago, US Soccer. Mm. They've won that case as a big name. I mean, one of the biggest names in sports tragically passed away last weekend, Shane Warne. You know, so we're talking about, and that was before he played his career, before this whole boom of, of social media so as an influencer. So, you know, those are the kind of things you look at, um, Gordon, you and I spoke about the Novak Djokovic, perhaps the negativity around that, around mm. the whole Aussie Open as an athlete influencing massive people. So you look at that, you know, we've spoken about Simone Biles uh, in terms of, of gymnastics and not just her on, uh, on bar, on beam, on floor performance. Obviously, there are other issues as well. You know, Naomi Osaka. So, so absolutely. So just to recap, I mean, there's a lot of that work going on. And it's so important for those sportsmen. I look at, you know, again, I don't follow it religiously, but I look at the chaos at Man U. Not the result of the weekend. I look at Ronaldo saying, should he have come back? Would he have come? It's just, it's just chaos. And that affects so many people. So, um, Gordon, back to your question. Two screening, absolutely. You know, I, and I wrote down, just in my prep notes now, uh, and, and I'm going to read it. I, I wrote there, is anything that important to us these days that it commands all of our attention? You know, and it's a, it's maybe an interesting question, you know. Maybe, mm. I don't know, if I look at a box test, you know, I'd watch it more intensely. But even in the breaks, you know, the injury or, or balls out of play, I'd, I'd look at something else, you know. And that's the interesting part. So to answer your question, tough responses to keep people engaged. Uh, all the time because you're fighting with the screen, you're fighting with, you know, incoming stimuli from all over. And then just one last point, Calvin, you, you spoke about the rise of continued rise of F1. After the lull at the end of the Bernie Eccleston uh, period, you know, those guys are heroes. And you've got to also feel for, you spoke VAR, feel for Michael Massey. You know, there's no VAR when, you, when you're in yeah. the, the last lap 
of a, of a Grand Prix and things are happening in hundreds of a second. You can't stop the race. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, you, you know, you can't go upstairs and say, can I, can I just see five angles? You've got to make a call. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's tough. It's exciting, that, that live game, that whole, you know, for even non-F1 fans, perhaps. You know, you either became a Hamilton or a Verstappen on the last lap. You know, so, yeah, that's a, a, maybe a long way to answer your question. You know, I think, I mean, you raise a number of points here, Doug, and I think, you know, some of the interesting ones are, you know, we, we certainly see whilst people are watching sport, I mean, for example, the thing they do most is check their emails, um, play games online, they talk to someone on the phone. So they do all of these things. Um, but also the, the sponsors and the, and, the, and the sports rights holders that are doing well are the ones that provide a second and third screen experience, which is bringing those, play, those, those people deeper into their sport, you know. So, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I've just become a massive fan of F1 and what they're doing, you know. So I, I won't watch a Grand Prix without my McLaren app on. And in that McLaren app, I can see the conversation yeah. going on with the pit and both drivers and everything and with some commentary in it. So I can see immediately, even if, you know, on the screen, I might be seeing Hamilton race Verstappen at that any moment. Mm -hmm. I can also see what Nando Loris, uh, Nando um, is, is talking to, to, to the pit about what the pit is sending him information that's going backwards and forwards. Um, and that's a huge opportunity for sponsors and everyone else. And so, you know, as much as it's a distraction, if you're a sponsor, it's also an, it's a unique opportunity in that as a sponsor, if you can create and distribute relevant content to to the fan base of any team or event that you're mm -hmm. involved in, you can really win the hearts and minds of 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 you know of that of that fan base. Yeah, I, I'm not a great Formula One uh, kind of follower. I mean, you know, I was back in the day. It's got a bit technical for me, but I can I can appreciate the value of it because I've got a couple of mates who are petrol heads. And they get excited about petrol consumption figures and revs and stuff like that. So they're sitting there, they're checking the monitor on the car while the, I'm watching the race, but they're watching the monitor on the car mm. and they're watching the revs and how the guys, you know, playing the revs in the engine, which is extraordinary if you're that of that persuasion. But it opens up the debate then as well to the whole freemium kind of approach. So if you're giving that away for free, one of the interesting things from from the Nielsen report is the the growth of, of, of crypto or how crypto has engaged. So you can get NFTs and Doc, you're the you're the brains in this thing. What the hell is fungible? What can what is a non fungible toy? Why, why can't you just you can't get your money back? All right. So an NFT, but I mean at what point have you, having given me all of that for free, at what point would I pay a unique kind of entry point? Would I then go into the change room after the X just won the you know the world champs and I can listen in while the team I having the team talk. I mean, where does it go? You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. You know, I think, you know, you really got to just look at it. What it does is, is you know, buying the NFT, um, it really allows you as a fan certain rights and benefits that you don't get, um, you know, ordinarily. Um, and whether that's being involved in voting for what the team kit or the team bus looks like or any of those things or, you know, being getting access to, um, you know, media. When they sit down with the media, ordinarily you wait for the media to tell you what mm. Lewis Hamilton mm. might have mm. said. Now you can be part of that and, you know, you can have, you know, the, the right to be part of those things. So I think that's the way to look at it. You know, it's I guess it's being a shield and having some decision making on certain perhaps mostly cosmetic things more than yeah. some of the real parts of the business. You're not sort of involved in the profit and loss, but you are involved in some of the things that fans are more um, emotional about. You know, you, you're sitting beautifully in the traditional gold and black, 
Kaiser Chiefs jersey here opposite me. But, you know, next season you might get to vote whether the away jersey is blue and black or purple and black, for example. And, and for a lot of fans, that's emotional and they feel far more engaged with the team if they have their say up front as opposed to being presented with an away jersey and mm. now whether you like it or not. So, you know, I think it's, it's, that's really the way that you've got to look at these things. That was interesting, you know, the, the engage and actual design of, of jerseys and things like that. I thought, wow, okay, that really does give you a level of involvement. I mean, I've got the Arsenal lap here. I can watch the, I can watch the guys train if I want to. Uh, you know, it's, I'm engaged, but uh, engaged. I'm not engaged in the decision-making, but it now opens up that level of engagement, which, mm. is, which is phenomenal. I mean, uh, I know one of the things the viewers were doing, the Man United uh, viewers were doing while uh, they were watching, is writing to the hairdryer and uh, asking him, please, to come back and, and help them right now. So, uh, and I must just say from an advertising point of view, I know Alex Ferguson, Ferguson's got the reputation for cucking Oaks out. But if you've ever, and the guys who've worked at Ogilvy will know, if you've ever been cucked out by the late Bob Wrightford, then you know what it being. You know. <laughs> Did he ever throw a shoot you? <laughs> but I tell you one thing, Bob used to cuck you up, but you actually upped your game, and that was the point. He had, the, he had that technique. You never came away feeling bruised. You came away feeling, okay, I'm going to show you. I'm going to be better at what I did. But isn't that, I mean, you know, coaches and I guess great managers are, are, are special human beings. They know when to, you know, when to come hard at you and mm. when you need a, you know, a, a hug and, yeah. and a bit of a something different. And one of the interesting things, you know, you were talking about um, influences. One of the one of the bits that was quite interesting for me is, um, you know, fans and people take hold a lot of store for the brands and other things that, that the, the athletes themselves get involved in. And certainly that's becoming much more important than teams and events. But if you look down, coaches are way down the list, and that's something we sort of pointed out the trend. We we don't know the answer why. So mm. some of the research we'll be doing this year is to understand why people, you know, coaches are sitting quite low down in terms of the you know trustworthiness from a from a consumer and fan perspective. So yeah, one of the things we don't have the answer for, but we'll certainly be looking into it in the year. Well, I mean, I'll, I want to get to the issue of trust because that's a crucial part of the discussion. But just quickly before we get to trust. Um, the unbundling of your of your properties, I thought, was very interesting, uh, and making them more focused. And one of the most successful unbundles is, of course, the unbundling of women's sport. I mean, the growth of investment in women's sport from 2018 to 2021, at the time of the report, is 146 percent. And that one for me is one of the ones which is intuitive. I mean, I find myself well, watching women's cricket now because of the World Cup. I watched the West Indies versus New Zealand. It's probably the most exciting game of cricket I've watched in five years. And it, it's not, you know, I'm not just diverting it myself there because I think it's a woke thing to do. It's it's really watchable stuff. Mm. Well, interestingly enough, and, you know, if I think again, we go back on trends, one of the things we saw five, six, seven years ago maybe is, you know, people kept saying, you know, women's cricket, and, and you brought up was particularly in that sense that, you know, you, you let's put more money into women's cricket because it'll bring more women fans into the game. And actually, the people who were most interested in women's cricket were men. Um, and they were interested in it because they were cricket fans, first mm. and foremost, and 100%. they recognized it as, hang on, I can watch this. This is good cricket. It's exciting. You know, maybe they don't bowl as fast or hit the ball as far, but it's interesting cricket. And, and, and so... You know, men were actually going, well, this is more cricket content for me that I'm interested in. So what it did is it meant that instead of watching, you know, X amount of hours, they were watching X plus Y amount yes. of hours, for example, yeah. now of cricket because they had more content. And I think, you know, um, you know, you talk about unbundling cricket South Africa, were, you know, they're way out in front from a from a sponsor perspective in this country is that their momentum sponsorship. and Well, whether it's cricket South Africa or momentum between the two of them. We're way out, and that momentum unbundled its its sponsorship of men's cricket and really focused on what they call the momentum proteas. 
um, very, very successfully and realized that, you know, there was an audience base there that, that stood alone. They didn't need to bundle it together with, with you know, the men's Proteus teams. They could see it as a, st- a standalone sponsorship of women's cricket very, very successfully. Mm. And I think, you know, I think we'll start to see that grow in this country a bit more around rugby very soon. Very soon, yeah. With the women's rugby and sevens rugby, you know, the women. Um, and certainly, hopefully, in the near future around football. You know, I think there um, we really need teams like Chiefs, Pirates, Sundowns to really embrace the women's game. They haven't yeah. yet. You know, I think if there's a shortcoming in South African football, it's it's that we haven't embraced them. And certainly, those big brands should lead. I mean, the one thing you can be very proud of is the Arsenal women over the last 10 or 20 extreme, years. They've, yeah. they've been an extremely Absolutely. successful team yeah. and have become commercially viable in their own right. Um, and, you know, I think British football has certainly moved in that direction. You saw some of the rights deals and some of the growth in sponsorship and viewing um, of, of women's football in the UK has just been off the charts in terms of what it's done. And we're starting to see that across the board in, in various other sports as well. Yeah, I think I think that's that's really sound observation. Doc, I mean, you, you've handled some big sponsorships. I mean, how do you feel about it? I mean, let's, let's go back to one of your biggest ones, I think, was, was the shock. So... Uh, how would you have approached uh, an unbundling, so to speak, where you were then coaching perhaps uh, the Sharks Academy, juniors, the, the ladies, the whatever, and you were sponsoring them? Would you see a play like that as being viable? Well, I think just using the Sharks as an example, Gordon, and I'm glad you mentioned it because I want to just mention one of the new initiatives. That I don't know if you saw it this week where Ed Kutia and his team, uh, Calvin, I'm sure you have, brought the Darkensburg Boys Choir Absolutely. to the park. Uh, Gordon, did you see that? I, I, I am, the, I'm not even going to comment on that, Doc, um, because when, when the Sharks start training with the Drakensburg Boy Choir, I personally think things are going wrong, but that's just, that's, that's just a front row's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. But you see, Gordon, that's where you've got to try and get a shirt that's got nine upwards, you know what I mean? <laughs> so you can scan the field. No, but I mean, just it's an interesting observation about bringing art and culture, you know, into into the hurly-burly of rugby. And I think the Sharks, even when we were sponsoring them, and, and we did some work with them, when you were there, Craig was there, etc., they were always a little bit ahead of, of the curve anyway, you know, in terms of looking at other stuff, more than just the 80 minutes. And, and I think, you know, as, as pressures increase, people are going to get better. Calvin, you made the point that you've got to be part of the conversation. You know, you can't see this, this distraction as a distraction. So I was going to actually ask you, I mean, so, so just to answer your question, Gordon, I always like to look at multifunctional stuff, you know, in terms of, of the, the sponsorship. I mean, years ago, not not the Sharks, but uh, at Western Province when I was at Nasher, we, we started a program there called The War Room, which was getting fans into the locker room on the Thursday pre the game, you know what I mean? So uh, they would they'd be able to talk about the what's going to happen, walk in the field. And what we worked out very, very quickly, Gordon, is the best thing for a sponsor to do in a case like that is to keep quiet, okay? Because they haven't come to see you. That guy, and invariably it was a male skew those days, maybe it would have changed now, but certainly they brought their sons and the dad was the hero because the dad allowed the kid to go into the locker room Mm. on the Western Province team. You know what I mean? So I think you've got to have the EQ to know when to talk and when to keep quiet. Uh, so as a sponsor, that's very important, uh, just in my view. So to answer your question a long way around, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I wouldn't have always called it unbundling, but I'd call it leveraging, uh, making more out of out of what you got. Because I didn't just buy any minutes of the game. You bought a whole lot of the stuff. You bought the behavior of the player at the airport, you know, when he was about to board the plane. You know, did he have his shirt on? Was it tucked in? Was it done correctly? There was a lot of details 
detail that we went into in terms of the image of that. But I mean, yeah, just, um, Gilbert, I want to just ask you, you know, I'm a little bit, I haven't really spoken with many South African sports rights holders in the last two years. What is the state of play in South Africa at the moment? I mean, I look at rugby, I look at the Curry Cup, I, I, I'm not sure about it. The URC, I try to get into it. I, I'm not familiar with the Ospreys and the Dragons and, and, and that. And the problem, I guess, is, you know, those guys are playing whilst their national teams are playing Six Nations. So you don't have the first side play, you know. Uh, I look at SA Cricket. Uh, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit average to me, the local domestic stuff. Um, I don't know if Varsity Sport is still doing what it's supposed to do. So I don't know. I mean, Calvin, you're obviously in the game. Just uh, just your view on SA Sport. Are the guys doing, are, are the sponsors still getting a great return? And, and is it still a viable property? In other words, if you had to spend your million, would you spend it on sponsorship or would you stick it into classical marketing? Look, I think there's no doubt that that the last two years have hit South African sport particularly hard, um, and and you know we really are on the back foot um, as an industry. It's it's certainly taken some step backwards. I think that being said, you know you mentioned people it could see in the sharks and some of what they've done with their new shareholders and some of the stuff you're seeing in social and digital, how they're going about building a team. And you know if you look at how they're building that team, it's a much about good players, but they're also understanding the value of those people as influencers in their own right. So, you know, yes, Sia Khaleesi, was he bought as a flank or was he bought because he's Sia Khaleesi and what he brings, you know, and, and a lot of the players, you know, you talk about the Drakensberg Boys Choir piece of content, which I think is a fantastic piece this week. One of the reasons that it works so well is the Sharks have got a squad of players that are, you know, all decent, you know, proper rugby players, some of the best in the world, but they also a group of characters who are happy to stand on a field and sing and dance and just interact with kids. Um, and that's powerful um, in that respect. And I think not enough of that is being done um, across the board in sport in this country. You know, I think the one thing that we haven't been very good at um, across the board, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to pick out people in particular. You know, I think just in general, we're not seeing enough of people understanding the power of digital, the power of content, the power of the off the field. They're trying to leave everything on the field um, in terms of, of re- the return on you know investment for for their sponsors and and. TV on its own is not doing enough for them, you know, and, and there's various reasons for that. You know, I mean, one of the big issues you talk about, we, you know, here in Joburg, we suffered from from load shedding last night. TV numbers around football in this country, when there's load shedding going on, can be 30 to 40 percent down, you know, on, yeah. on games yeah. so, simply because people can't get television, you know. So it means yeah. that the sponsors and the, and the, well, the rights owners should be working a lot harder with you know, using the athletes as, as influencers, using their social and digital products, creating, you know, more content. And and we've seen some wonderful content, you know, Lando Pirates, they're sitting with Stan. I don't know if any of you have watched that. Um, you know, the content that's been delivered there, um, Sundowns have just gone into a similar thing where they've started, a you know, a content series looking back at their history. You know, I think you're going to start seeing some people do some wonderful work. SA Rugby and Supersport did a wonderful piece during the last two years with Chasing the Sun. And, and you know, I think when you see the yeah. next version of Two Sides, which is the the story coming up about the British and Irish line story. You know, that's that's powerful stuff. And, you know, when you look at that, you start seeing SA Rugby signing on some sponsors, you know, and it's because they've sort of kept the game alive, even though, as you rightly point out, the Curry Cup and the URC has struggled um, to capture the imagination of fans. And I think that's, if I'm critical of SA Rugby, I don't think they've done enough to really market and sell these leagues and the benefits of these leagues to the fans. Um, and obviously, it's also hasn't helped that we, you know, a lot of our top players aren't necessarily playing. And certainly, as you said, a lot of the the, the European top players aren't playing in that. And that, that's where you've got to work a lot harder um, 
you know, in the other six days of the week in terms of creating content, um, you know, and, and digital engagement yeah. and other things yeah. for your fan base, mm -hmm. especially in a time where we still, and, and hopefully in the next, I think we're seven or eight days away from, from the president speaking to us again, but, but sport desperately needs to be opened up like the rest of society and allow people back at, at stadiums. And, you know, um, that can't come quickly enough because the other thing that we do know is people even watching on television don't like to watch empty stadiums. And you spoke about Varsity Cup. They they sort of back at full force. You know, you, you couldn't get a ticket at Stellenbosch last night. You couldn't get a ticket at the Green Mile at UCT. You know, and, and, and I think once we see that across the rest of our sport, broadcast yeah. and other levels of engagement would also rise. So we, we desperately need people back. I mean, if I've got a, from a sports industry, a yeah. request for government, we need people back at stadiums. You're killing yeah. the business. You're killing Absolutely. the industry. And oh. speaking of people coming back, because I, I, we're getting to wrap up time now, um, I just need to raise my glass uh, to F&B, you know, because one of the things in the report that's clear is that there's a high level of trust for, sponsorship, uh, for sponsors involved with events. But they want, you know, more than words, I think is literally the phrase that's in the report. They want to see uh, sponsors doing more. So this week, obviously, tickets went on sale or last week for uh, the World Cup Sevens in Cape Town. And I was, you know, all ready to, to sort of stay awake till midnight. Then I discovered to my delight as an F&B customer, I get a window of opportunity the day before. So I've got my tickets for the World Cup Sevens. And I think that for mm -hmm. me... I suddenly looking at my my F and B uh, account, you know, with a different in a different kind of light altogether, because that's a huge benefit yeah. for me. That was putting your money where your mouth is for me. But I want to just end with one question, and this is more your opinion, uh, Kevin, rather than anything in the report. I mean, what's your view on UEFA and FIFA's initial response to the Ukraine thing? I mean, we know every time I see you know, Gianni Infantino speaking opening his mouth, I can hear the, the theme tune from The Godfather. Uh, and I, I just think that uh, UEFA and FIFA have damaged their brand massively with their initial re response. Subsequently, they were press-ganged into a decision, but the initial response was a disgrace. Yeah, look, I think, you know, it, it's, it's very difficult. You know, there's often things that they do and they have this sort of situation where, you know, politics can't interfere in football and, you, you know, you see that and in certain instances they they go, you know, against their own sort of policy. So it was it was certainly difficult to reconcile with their behavior with respect to a lot of other issues, you know. Mm. And, and I think one of the problems with all of these things when you're in an international body like that and you and you supposedly sort of represent, what, 210 countries in the world, um, in an issue like this, you're not always on the same side. You know, there's, you know, and I think it's something that many of us probably struggle to reconcile with the fact, but there's big parts of the world, in fact, the two most populous countries in the world are, are not sitting on the side of of nato and the u.s on this mm. russia issue well, that's true so which is very very difficult for for fifa um you know in that respect and, and i guess it's it's um it's one of the issues that you have as a national sports body on a lot of issues you know we saw uh, i forget her name but the the tennis player um in the wta and some of the sort of sexual abuse charges that went against her and what's coming out and you know they came out very strongly almost immediately and were highly praised in parts of the world and in other parts they were seeing as interfering and on the wrong side of things. Mm. So it's it's a difficult one to be at. Um, but certainly I think the initial response was not good. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, – and we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of uh, to, you know, playing the World Cup every every second year, you know. Please no. Uh, please no. I mean, you know, that for me is uh, – well, Doc, I'm going to let you wrap up. I'm, getting, I'm working myself up into a frenzy here. Um, so <laughs> welcome back. You can do the wrap-up. You, you, you cross about the choir. You cross about – 
That's, everything now. Come that's on. It's just this Gianni <laughs> no. Fatino. Uh, so you don't want to play the World Cup every two years? Okay, I'm going to make you offer. You can't refuse. I mean, the guy's a gangster. <laughs> and don't All quote right. me on that. It's not like this is going out live on air. <laughs> Gavin, again, thanks very much for your time. Uh, as always, it's nice to have you on the show and, and chatting about you know a topic obviously close to our hearts, but close to billions of people's hearts around the world sport and, and its effect and its social upliftment and all this. So thanks for that. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Um, yeah, and Gordon, yeah, thanks. We're going to catch you next week. And just in closing, you know, on a, on a somber note, you know, you mentioned Ukraine. I think we were remiss just to, you know, not for me to end by saying, you know, our hearts and our minds go out to the, you know, I can't watch those images on, on TV. It's just, it's just, you, you, I just can't believe it. So, yeah, you know, just ending on that note. Um, and then, yeah, to our listeners out there, thanks again for tuning in. Always be part of the conversation. Look up the Nielsen Report. It's fantastic. Uh, we've obviously all gone through it. Uh, and be part of the conversation. Until next week, we'll see you then. Ciao for now. Cheers, guys. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mateus. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.